0: Welcome to Radical Mothering, a podcast that questions our accepted norms around children's autonomy, consent, education and mothering. My name is Fran and I'm going to read this week's post on my Substack aloud for you. The slippery slope of unschooling, jumping off the deep end and never looking back. Home education can be a slippery slope. You can go from removing school from your radar, even temporarily, to beginning to question all sorts of apparently unrelated things, to realizing that you're now unschooling and powerless to stop it. How does that even happen? Okay, I know some of you jumped right into unschooling with your eyes closed, trusting it would work. That was not me, though. I was reading John Holt way back in 2011, pregnant with my first child. But when we finally started giving home educating a go, many years later, having tried school, I wouldn't have called us unschoolers. I was intellectually sold on unschooling, but I wasn't actually practicing it. Like, my brain understood the principles of it, but I wasn't emotionally on board, and I wasn't relationally on board, and the reality of our lives was simply not that. I've always been a little bit envious of families who went seamlessly from Peaceful parenting into unschooling without hesitation, morphing gracefully from one to the other like it was the most natural thing. I mean, who knows if these families even exist? Or maybe this is you. I'm a deeply feeling person, but I'm also very rational. I like to break things down and fully understand them. I'm not particularly impulsive, and I'm not willing to go on trust alone. I do not just blindly trust. I want to trust with eyes wide open, and I want to lean into a tiny bit of doubt because I believe doubt can be a useful indicator. It can be essential to critical thinking. So when we started homeschooling, I obviously made a schedule, obviously, with like times and subjects and stuff. I mean, what else does one do? It was a tight schedule, and it lasted all of a week, maybe? I've written a bit more about our de-schooling journey in a post that I've linked uh, in my original uh, written post. And I also have more de-schooling resources in my sub-stack, also linked that post in the original post. From the moment we discarded the schedule, we have slowly, cautiously slipped further into what I would describe as unschooling. And more specifically, as consent-based, self-directed education. As life without school, and life as if school was not even a thing. And I want to specify that I use the term unschooling because it's, a, it's an umbrella term at this point. And so it basically covers a bunch of different stuff. But the term consent-based, self-directed education is a more specific term. And I would definitely recommend looking up Sophie Christophe to find out a little bit more. She was also on this podcast, so you can go back and listen to her episode. Okay, some big realizations that helped me to kind of move into unschooling. They did not come all at once. There are some big things I probably have yet to truly tackle and deal with, But so far, four years in, I can share some of the big ideas that led me down the slippery slope towards the deep end of unschooling. Yeah, I would say we're completely off the deep end at this point. So here they are, in no particular order. Number one, you are absolutely qualified and entitled. If you are a connected, loving parent, then you are probably your child's biggest supporter. There is literally no one else in the world who's more invested in caring for, accepting, loving, and cheering for your child. You're absolutely the right person to be guiding them through life. You are qualified and entitled. I've written more about this in my post, which is a, which is titled "Who Are We to Refuse Free Schooling?" It's on my Substack. But I also want to add that not only are we absolutely entitled to be our children's guide as they grow up. But our child and young person is absolutely entitled to participate and often take charge of their own life and learning. Not only that, but we are also qualified to guide our child. We're qualified because home education and especially child-led homeschooling or unschooling is in no way like teaching children in school. In fact, there is very little about teaching in schools that can be applied to educating your child at home, especially if you're unschooling. So many ex-teachers have talked about all the things we were taught and essentially had to question and unlearn in order to see our children for who they are and truly follow them and their needs. I was lucky enough to train as a Montessori educator. And so I feel like I did a fa- uh, I did have a foundation of respect and of following the child, so to speak. But even so, there were so many aspects of managing a classroom of children that were utterly irrelevant to And in fact, got in the way of living life with my own kids. So don't let anyone tell you that you are somehow not qualified and that if you're a certified teacher, then you have no business, sorry, if you aren't a certified teacher, then you have no business teaching your children at home. Teachers are literally the least qualified people to speak on homeschooling because they're so utterly immersed in the idea that schooling is the one right way. And they just cannot be objective about home education. Listening to a school teacher's advice on homeschooling is literally like asking a zookeeper to tell you about animals in the wild. They don't know. They are not the experts on that. Home is not school and parents are not teachers. It is an entirely different environment and an entirely unique relationship. Uh, And I've linked a really encouraging piece by Sarah McDonald, who writes the blog Happiness Is Here in my post. Number two. Consent is more important to me than most things. Quite apart from all the talk of curriculum and what children should know, there is one crucial thing for me that I keep going back to, and it's this. My entire relationship with my children and the way I want to show up for them, and in the world in general, centers on consent. Our right to inhabit <clears throat> excuse me our autonomy and make free, informed decisions, and in turn, respect other people's right to do the same. That's it. So if by pushing a certain agenda or pressuring my child into a specific activity, I am violating their ability to exercise consent, it's going to be a big, huge no from me. Number three, unschooling is more than an educational approach. I won't go deep into this, but I've written a post about why for me, and I know this is not for everyone, unschooling goes way beyond being an educational approach. And I've linked that post and it's a very comprehensive post and I've linked it in the um, original post, written post. Number four, my child matters more than any pedagogy or program. They know themselves best and I know them pretty well. Relationship will always come before pedagogy. When I feel doubt and worry about us, not doing what we're supposed to be doing, I also come back to this. There is no one truth or one way or one model of how children learn. There is no one definition of what education is. We get to co-create education, to reimagine it for ourselves. There is no one authority that has the monopoly over what education means or should be. Number five, it's all connected. Learning about systems and connecting what we do with the questioning of and pushing back on systemic discrimination and oppression has motivated me to stay the course. I find that if you're only into homeschooling for yourself, then that's fine, but you don't really have bigger values to keep you grounded and committed. Whereas when I started locating what we did in our lives to what I'd like to see in the world, everything changed. I was now in it for much broader systemic change. I would continue to be in it regardless of how my children choose to live and learn. Number six, if it's colonial, I don't want it. A friend of mine once said this to me and I think about it often and I know it sounds a little drastic and it can get people tackled up, but just hear me out. This doesn't mean that I literally discard anything that smacks of colonialism and consequently of patriarchy and white supremacy, because they're all connected. If it meant that, then I'd be opting out of, well, a lot of my own culture culture and values, because my entire culture is patriarchal and colonial, think Roman Empire. So that's not what I mean, although I do opt out of a lot of things. What I mean is I'm pushing back on the assumption that classical education is the best education. It's only a tiny sliver of everything my children could possibly be knowing and learning. Only the other day, my daughter asked me why, uh, whether I thought Shakespeare was, quote, the world's greatest playwright. She read or heard this somewhere, and we got into a really interesting conversation about how Eurocentric that statement even is, and how we Western people think we're learning about the world when, in fact, we're learning a very whitewashed Euro-leaning fraction of all the literature, mathematics, history, and more that there is to know. And we believe Shakespeare is the best without even knowing or understanding plays and literature from other countries and other continents. And we've somehow managed to persuade much of the world that that is in fact true. And also, why are we always trying to assess who or what is the best? That to me is essentially about whiteness. So... When I think about my children possibly having gaps, I think, well, gaps for whom? The entire gap conversation revolves around the assumption there is one single body of knowledge everyone should know. This is a colonial white supremacist patriarchal construct, and it's an illusion, frankly. And so I reject it. So what I'm saying is that I'm actively seeking historically marginalized voices. So in terms of my own culture, that would be women. Young people, the LGBTQ plus community, immigrants or minority groups, secular voices and others. And I don't necessarily ignore or reject mainstream culture or history. I mean, it's hard to. It's like all around us. But I'm just aware that a lot of it is, in fact, mainstream because so much else has been erased and written out of history and culture. And my children will be exposed to mainstream culture regardless. Uh, because it's so pervasive, so why not seek out the voices that tend to be ignored or silenced? Number six living as if school didn't exist, as opposed to living in opposition to school. I wrote a whole post about it, and I've linked it in my original Substack post. Um, but here's a little ex- extract of it. Of it. If we go on the premise that what we are doing, living without school, is rooted in millennia of doing that exact thing, except it was just called living back then, then school just doesn't enter into it. We aren't living without school because school just isn't even a part of what we're doing. We're living as if school had never happened. We're just living. You might point out that that's impossible because school has happened and schoolish ideas are part of us and to actively live... Without school, we need to almost live in opposition to schoolishness. And yeah, I think initially we do. Like it has to be an intentional thing. But I also think we can get to a point where we have stopped trying to be the opposite of school and we are just being what we want to be, regardless of school. So anyway, this was a huge shift for me, um, basically picking up school and moving it outside of my range of vision, metaphorically speaking, and instead just living life. Just living my life. What a concept. And it leads very neatly onto point seven, just doing our own fucking thing. Excuse my language here, but freeing ourselves from societal narratives does mean we get to do whatever the fuck we want. And when I say that, I don't mean it in an individualistic way, like who cares about everybody else. I mean it relationally, like we get to build relationships however we want. And we get to form groups that do whatever we want them to do. And we get to celebrate stuff or not celebrate stuff. Um, And when I say we, I don't mean like just me. I mean we as in humanity and like the people I'm in community with. In my world, doing whatever I want is not following societal narratives when they make no sense. So if you're out there and like sold on capitalism and replicating patriarchal systems and benefiting from them and believing we live in a culture of scarcity where you need to work to prove your worth worth, and you're only as good as what you produce, well, you're not doing whatever you want. You're not really free you're the opposite of that. You're blindly conforming, you're doing exactly what our capitalist patriarchal society demands of you. Getting free means you are, as Akila S. Richards writes, quote, shedding the programming and habits that resulted from other people's agency over our time, body, thoughts and actions. End quote. This is her definition of de and in many ways de is how we get free. Number eight, We are not raised to think and act relationally, and everything changes when we do. This is perhaps one of the most profound things I've been grappling with. Our entire society, and as a result, our parenting and schooling paradigm, is one of comparison and competition. In much of the Western world, we're encouraged to conceive of things um, relationally, as rooted in relationship. Sorry, we are not encouraged. (laughs) I was just reading that. I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Let me reread. In much of the Western world, we are not encouraged to conceive of things relationally, in other words, as rooted in relationship. We are instead raised to think individualistically about our own behavior, behavior about our own struggles, our own interests, our own successes and achievements. Often these are compared and pitted up against those of others. We begin to conceive of living as a game of life where we either win or we lose. We simply are not raised to think of ourselves as in relationship with everyone and everything around us and as one part of a broader whole. And we aren't encouraged to see our actions as part of a bigger picture. It's always about how can I, individual person, make a difference instead of how can I, in relationship with others and the place I live in, communally make things better? All the books we read, the movies we watch, the narratives we consume are about how one amazing and special person made a huge difference and we zero in on individuals and we ignore connections and relationships and communities and groups and I'm not an expert in this and I'm still learning to zoom out and look at things less individualistically and more relationally. But I can see how when we see education and unschooling and living, living life with our children as relational rather than about individual goals or achievements, it begins to take an entirely different shape. Number eight, I would love, oh sorry, this is not a number, I am completely confused. <laughs> All the points are finished and I would love to hear from you about what the biggest difference is. Um, what made the biggest difference to your slide into unschooling? And like, what was the big revelation for you? And what, when was the moment that it all clicked? And before you go, uh, here are a few things I've been up to that you might want to check, check out. I was on the Sage Family podcast uh, chatting to Rachel about consent, what it is, why it matters, and the many complex ways we strive for it. And I've put a link directly to the podcast on my written post. Every week, I share a day in the life over on my Instagram account. Um, I take you through the rather low expectations vibe of our home and how we try and center consent and self-direction. So join in if you can. And um, I'm also still calling and writing to my representatives to urge for a ceasefire in Gaza. And I've included a very easy, quick link that you can do that too. Uh, together with several youth advocates I am also signing a letter and a petition to call for ceasefire and humanitarian aid in Gaza from the perspective of the rights of children and young people and there is a link in my written post to that as well you can sign your name and also send it to your representatives and share on our social media. Thank you so much for reading this I appreciate you being here.